You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. This is number 64. As always, I am Thomas Bendit, the manager of BT Powerhouse and the host of this podcast. So <laughs> excited to be back. Um, on a personal note, just finished up law school, uh, my third and final year. So really pumped about that in a good mood um, coming into the weekend, I guess, to, to put it bluntly. Um, and a an interesting time uh, for Big Ten basketball. Um you know, we talked on the last podcast about how it's kind of we're in the the quiet part of the year, but we're starting, you know, really starting to come out of that. We saw that with a few um, commitments on the the transfer trail for the Big Ten. Um, we see that in the number of offers going out, the number of visits going on, just a lot of uh, a lot of events on <laughs> on that side of things, and as well, you know, we're we're seeing things. Sh- settle out in terms of the coaching staffs um, and always, you know, the NBA combine is going on this weekend. So that's a, always an interesting thing to watch and keep an eye on, especially, you know, with the new NBA draft rules where people can kind of half go <laughs> and decide to come back after the combine. Um, notably, Mel Trimble is probably the guy who the most eyes are on. Um, we're going to have uh, Andrew Emmer from uh, Testito Times to chat about uh, Trimble's decision, chat about what it means for Maryland. Um, a lot going on on that end. But um, before he jumps on, though, uh, we do have uh, one of our, our new contributors coming on. Um, Gianna, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Um, I'm Gianna. I'm a, um, a rising senior at Loyal University of Chicago, and I've um, grown up in the Big Ten. My Grandma Don played back in the 40s, and I've uh, followed the Big Ten pretty much my whole life. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, she's hit the ground running here for us at BTP, and she's joining our podcast here to chat about what's going down on the, the old recruiting trail and, and on the staffs. But um, So why don't we jump into it? Um, let's start with, I, I guess, the bigger picture stuff, which is uh, some of the staffing shakeups here. Um, you actually wrote a piece for uh, BT Powerhouse earlier this week about um, a staffing move for Nebraska. Um, Tim Miles adding a new assistant. Uh, why, don't, why don't you let us know your thoughts, I guess, on that uh, for a quick second here. Yeah, so they um, acquired Michael Lewis from Butler as their assistant coach, and I think that's a huge grab for Tim Miles and his Staff. Um, Michael Lewis has made a big name for himself as an assistant coach. Um, he was at Eastern Illinois, and then he was at Butler for five years. Um, and he played – he was a guard at Indiana back in the late 90s under Bob Knight. He's a really – just a really great coach. He knows how to coach players and coach the backcourt really well, which I think is something that Tim Miles um, is going to need. Obviously, this year in Nebraska has some um, expectations coming into the big time, but I think um, next year – um, Michael Lewis definitely has a chance to help Tim Miles get his team back to the NCAA tournament next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I, I completely agree. Um, you know, Lewis certainly has the, the pedigree of a great assistant. You know, he, Butler's been consistently in the NCAA tournament for quite some time. I know certainly a lot of that's due to, you know, Brad Stevens, who's with the Celtics now. But, um, you know, great uh, reputation for bringing in solid recruits, developing them. And, you know, for a Nebraska program that's still kind of trying to find its consistency and its footing, um, certainly a big addition. Um, how do you, uh, Jenna, how do you think that's going to impact them on the recruiting trail? Do you think that's going to help them? Or uh, you think it, maybe the Nebraska name is still going to be a little bit of a, a limitation? Uh, I think going into this season, I think for um, maybe not right away, but I think in the long term, definitely for the 2017 and 2018 classes that Tim I was trying to get, I think Michael would just be a huge help in that. Um, he's done really well with recruiting at Butler and other places, and he's a very sought-after coach. He had a lot of offers that he turned down. He originally committed to Loyola before um, going to Butler, so he's just a very sought-after coach, and I think because of his experience with Bob Knight and playing so well for Indiana that people know he's a he's a well-known coach and people want to play for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and one of the things I think a lot of people forget, too, about basketball recruiting is it's it's very long-paced. Um, very little happens in a um, – you know, you're dealing with such small number of scholarships that a lot of times, you know, you're recruiting three, four years down the road. Um, so it could take a little time, but I, I do think he's a big addition there, and I think that'll – That'll make a big impact. Um, the other two big, well, I guess there are three other big changes. Um, the first one I wanted to hit on briefly, uh, Michigan brings in two new assistants, um, Washington from Oakland, and then Billy Donlin, formerly of Wright State. Um, pretty excited about both these hires. Um, I think Washington's a little bit of a kind of a wait-and-see guy, um, but Donlin uh, – Kind of has a crazy reputation, but um, certainly has uh, earned his pedigree, I guess, uh, <laughs> on the hardwood. Um, Gianna, did you have any reaction to these hires? And uh, what do you think about John Beeline uh, sort of finishing out his staff here? Um, I think it's a good – I think they'll be good additions. I, I'm not very familiar with um, other coaches, but I think um, he was – John Beeline was really close last year to – to doing a lot of big things. They made the NCAA tournament just because they had such a great run in the Big Ten tournament. And I think he really, um, he's filling two missing pieces that could really just help them uh, be a consistent threat going back to the NCAA tournament and definitely help them take that step to get back to the upper half of the Big Ten and really try to make some noise up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the big two things is, you know, Washington, you know, coming from Oakland, you know, he's an in-state guy. Uh, I think he's from Lansing originally. A um, lot of, uh, you know, I, I cover a lot of high school basketball and, you know, in Michigan, um, and he definitely has a big reputation there. I'm not sure how much of an impact he can make um, because usually Michigan's only recruiting two, two or three guys out of Michigan a year, um, you know, at least intensely, <laughs> I, I should say. But um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of be the difference maker so they can grab those guys instead of maybe a Michigan State um, or an out-of-state school. Um, and then Donlin, you know, he's known for his defense. You know, Beeline's talked a lot about his defense. So I think, um, you know, that's been Michigan's Achilles heel for the last few years. So uh, if they can improve there, that would certainly be notable. But um, definitely interesting to watch, uh, you know, Michigan closing out their staff. Uh, the last the last big change I just wanted to hit on briefly is um, it looks like Minnesota has hired a new athletic director. Um, yeah. They've – yeah, they've been having chaos the last couple of months here. Um, 
but they uh, bring in Mark uh, Coyle. Do you know? Do you know much, uh, Mark or or Coyle? I should say, um, or any background information on him? No, I don't know that much about Mark, but I did. I think that the change in Nebraska is a very interesting one to bring in. Um, I think Minnesota had its struggles this year on football and in basketball, and I think this guy seems like he can probably um, make some changes to help Nebraska get back on its feet. I'm I'm still kind of, to be honest, I'm still a little fresh on this story. I haven't read much about his background yet, um, but, uh, you know, they've been looking for an athletic director for quite some time after, you know, the whole scandal, um, you know, with the, with the last guy there, um, they could be. Sorry, I think I lost you there for a second. Anyway, uh, back on here, it looks like. Um, <laughs> sorry, more more technical issues. Just just a nightmare uh, today. But, um, again, getting back to Ben Carter to Michigan State here. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to watch kind of how he shakes out, I guess. You know, Michigan State, they're going to have some question marks up front. They have Ward coming in who looks like he could be good the next couple of years. But, you know, with Davis out – um, just lost Costello. I, I don't think we've seen enough out of guys like Schilling to really feel completely confident in what it's going to be like. But um, yeah, you know, Carter Carter could come in there and and be the difference, <laughs> so to speak. Um, otherwise, you know, you're really dealing with uh, and and two other guys. You know, we should talk about as well as you know, Bess and Clark transferred out as well. So you know, you could really put um, Carter in there either at the four or the five, depending on how things shake out with Ward and um, assuming Michigan State's going to add someone big in 17 as well. Um, we'll kind of have to see how that – well, or in 16, I, I should say. We'll, we'll see how it, it shakes out, um, to be uh, honest about it. You know, there's a lot of moving parts uh, for the Spartans here over the next couple of years. But, but overall, I, I'd say those are the big um, – big commitments here over the last uh, couple of weeks. And, and hopefully we'll have uh, Andrew Emmer here and to talk about um, LJ Gill, who is the last, <laughs> the last, you know, major transfer here over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we already, yeah. Yeah. I believe on the last podcast, we already talked about Spike Albrecht. I was going to say there's one more, um, which is Spike Albrecht from Michigan to Purdue but I believe I already hit on that. If not, you know, I think he's going to be a quality addition. I think he's going to help that offense. 
certainly uh, fight off the press, certainly decrease those turnovers, um, which was the biggest issue for them uh, <laughs> going into last year. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, you know, for a second here as we're waiting for uh, for Andrew to call in, um, is Rutgers just going off or crazy here <laughs> over the last couple of years. You know, as I mentioned, they're a definitely a team that's still trying to find their identity and build a new program under uh, their new head coach, uh, Steve Beagle. But a lot of offers going out. Um, you know, certainly the Rutgers recruiting sites have been busy <laughs> the last couple of years. I, I think there've been like 15 or something like that. Um, most of them in 16 and 17 and 18. Um, but if they really need to do that, they need a huge talent infusion if they're going to have a chance uh, at success. Um, otherwise, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're just kind of kind of continue along the same, same route. So, um, look for them to bring in a massive 2017 class um, because I, I don't think they're going to get enough guys to close out 2016. I think they're going to go in with a couple scholarships banked, which probably not a great sign for next season, to be honest. Um, you know, they're still waiting on the Corey Sanders decision as well. You know, he's currently still in the NBA draft process. We'll see if he comes back. But I think, um, you know, I, I think they're going to go in with a couple scholarships banked in all likelihood and we'll kind of see how it shakes out beyond that. But, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be a hindrance to them next year. You know, maybe if they avoid injury, I don't think it'll be a, you know, that can reduce it, but they really need Bob right now. You know, we'll kind of see how, uh, again, as we, <laughs> As we said, um, you know, right now they're going to have, uh, according to verbal commits, they're going to have four spots left open at the moment for 2017. I'm sure they'll have more open by the time we get there. But I'm honestly, if I was a Rutgers fan, I'd be expecting like probably a six-person glass for 17 unless they get some late transfers or something like that. I know they're still recruiting. Um, I think they're getting the North Carolina State duo visiting as potential transfers um, coming up here shortly. So that could be a, a big addition for them. So, But we'll have to see, regardless, going crazy for Rutgers here. But um, with that, we should probably move into our, our final topic here, which is to hit on Maryland, uh, Mellow Trimble, and, and Maryland's recruiting here. Um, and hopefully, if our uh, call thing is working, um, Andrew is with us. Uh, Andrew, can you hear me? I can hear you. Excellent. Yeah, we've been having some trouble with the call stuff uh, earlier today, so this is good news. Uh, <laughs> how's it going, Andrew? <laughs> uh, going well. Can't complain. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, why don't we jump into it right here? Um, first first thing I wanted to hit on, uh, I was talking about some of the other big transfers. Um, Maryland landed a big one in LG Gill. Um, what are your thoughts on Gill? I don't know a ton about him, uh, just because he came from Duquesne. I didn't really catch much Duquesne basketball over the last few years. Uh, but he seems to be a pretty versatile 3-4 uh, forward. Who He took just about half of his shots last year from behind the three-point arc. So I guess you can consider him a stretch four, maybe even a three. Um, he seems pretty athletic. He was a decent rebounder. He was on a very good team, again, so... 
I don't really know if the shot, the shot selections and sort of being more of a perimeter oriented player was, you know, that's just his game or that's what he was asked to do. It's really hard to tell with the, with the mid-major players. Um, but he seems to be a pretty good addition. I don't think he's going to, you know, be on any all Big Ten teams or uh, probably even average 10 points a game. But he's a really solid um, addition for a team that's really lacking in the forward department right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to step in. Personally, I think he's going to start at the four. Um, we'll have to see how yeah, things shake out, obviously. Um, but I think uh, him and Dodd can make a pretty formidable front court. Um, I think we'll, we'll see if you agree with this. Do you think the front court's going to be the best positional group for Maryland next year? Well, I think barring it's so Trimble, hard to tell. I, <laughs> it's yeah. so, so hard to tell um, because – if Melo Trimble comes back, they're going to be very, very deep at the guards. They have mm-hmm. – uh, we'll have three point guards on the roster, which seems incredible because they basically have only had one point guard on the roster over the last few years. Um, they'll have Deion Wiley back and Jared Nickens and Kevin Herter, who can all play the two. Uh, and if you even – I think Maryland's going to play a lot smaller next year than they have. So uh, if you want to consider the three sort of an extended guard position – uh, Herder can also play the three. Nickens can play the three. Micah Thomas, the incoming um, uh, freshman, can play the three. I think L.J. Gill, L.J. Gill can play the three. Um, so I, I think it's going to be the backcourt um, will be the best position, will, will, will be Maryland's strength next year, just because Dodd is a really good defensive player and can contribute on, you know, offensively sometimes on lobs, on putbacks even showed off a little bit of a mid-range game toward the end of last year, which hopefully he can develop in his senior year. Uh, but Tchaikovsky, Michael Tchaikovsky, is such a question mark. He seems to have so much potential, but he's only really put it together in very, very short spurts over the course of his two-year career. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, not, there's really no proven impact two-way player in the front court. Um, so I'm going to say the backcourt, and then – yeah, I'll say the backcourt because I don't even know about the wings either because there's, there's not too much depth on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to my next question, I guess. Um, obviously, there's a massive decision hanging over Maryland's program right now. Uh, Melo Trimble's in the NBA draft, but he has yet to hire an agent. Um, first off, do you think Trimble's going to go head to the NBA? Um, and second off, if he does um, – how much is that going to leave Maryland scrambling, I guess? It's, I, again, it's so hard to tell because from what I've heard, what I've gathered, what I've talked to some people about, he wants to go to the NBA next year, Bell Trimble. He wants his plan all along was to come back, have a great season, uh, and then head off and be a first-round pick in the NBA. That didn't mm. happen. He had, he had a really good start to the year, and then even toward the end of the year he had his moments, but he, he really fell off. I have always thought it was an injury. I think he had some injury issues. He's had back issues his entire career, and even going back into high school. Um, so it's, he didn't have that fairytale year he thought he was going to have. And now he's in the NBA draft. I think he made a really good decision to not hire an agent. Uh, and he's going to look for the feedback he's going to get uh, this weekend, and, you know, starting yesterday. He's interviewing with a few teams. I saw an interview with the Sixers. He's going to interview with, I think, the Hornets and the Lakers today if I read that correctly. Definitely the Lakers and definitely the Sixers yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll see what kind of feedback he gets. If someone gives him a first-round guarantee, which, they, you know, a guarantee is 
not worth the paper it's not written on. So he's going to have to trust <laughs> that he, the people are, you know, are, are, are honest with him. Um, but if he gets a first-round guarantee, I think that he's, he's gone. I think he's going to play in the NBA next year or be drafted into the NBA next year. If, if it's very clear to him that if he leaves, he's going to be a second-round pick or even undrafted, I can't see him being undrafted, by the way. I think he'd be a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. I think there's a really good shot he comes back. Uh, he has gotten pretty good advice throughout his entire basketball career. He has a really good support system. Joe Wooten, his high school coach, uh, is you know the son of legendary high school basketball coach Morgan Wooten from Dematha. Uh, so he's a smart guy. Mark Turgeon is always you know has always been good at giving his team uh, his players advice. He's a really good family. He could have easily left last year. I think he made the right decision to come back last year. Uh, so. He's, it's not going to be a rash decision. He's already said he's going to wait until the last moment to make it. He's going to find every bit of information he can get to make the most uh, reasonable decision. So if he if he seems like if he really feels like he's going to be a first round pick, I think he's gone. If he really feels like he's going to be going further than that, I think he comes back to Maryland. And, and like you said, that's that is that is the the big linchpin right now. If Mer- if Melo comes back. Maryland is, I think, like, clearly going to be a top 25 team. Uh, they could be either, you know, another top five finish in the Big Ten. Uh, Trimble, I would think, would have a much better year than he did last year, which is, again, a reason I think he might end up coming back because um, there's been a lot of examples over the last few years of guys coming back one more year, Chris Dunn, Buddy Heald, Menzel Valentine. Uh, Jakob Pertl is a, a little bit different. Uh, from his freshman year to his, his sophomore year. Uh, plenty of examples of guys coming back, proving that they can do something really, really, really well, like Buddy Hill with his shooting, or Denzel Valentine with his playmaking, um, and go from a, you know, a borderline first, second-round pick to a surefire lottery or first-round pick. Uh, I think that he would benefit greatly from coming back and proving that he's a really good shooter, because he wasn't a good shooter last year. He was a really good shooter his freshman year. Um, but if he comes back, Maryland will probably be really good again. Uh, they'll probably, I would imagine, there'll be a single-digit seed in the tournament, a top 25 team the whole season. If they don't come back, there are question marks up and down the entire lineup. You're relying on a freshman, in all likelihood, to come in and run the offense. Now, I think Anthony Cowan's going to be really good, but I don't think he's quite as ready from day one as Trimble was from day one, and we mm-hmm. saw how that worked out. Uh, they don't – everyone gets moved down a rung if, if he doesn't come back because you have Cowan and Brantley running the offense, and that's a huge question mark. You, you, you're you going to rely on Deion Wiley who didn't play last year and played kind of up and down as a freshman to be your main scoring punch. Uh, you're relying on, again, like a guy like Herder and Nickens to play the three when they're probably not physically ready to, ready to play the three. And then the front court we've gone over is already a big question mark. So they go from probably a locked top 25 team to a – uh, a team that will probably be lucky to get into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would go lock top twenty-five, but I certainly think they'll be an NCAA tournament team and definitely a quality team. Uh, my only question mark is just you know with freshmen we aren't totally sure, or at least not like epic five-star freshmen. Uh, you know, sometimes they come in not totally ready, but um, but certainly much better with Trimble than without. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if Trimble heads out, you know, you're talking about no returning starters unless you count Dodd as a starter, which he really wasn't at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, even um, Gill, who, you know, we talked about as uh, a potential starter, 
you know, he played for a team that wasn't that great. You know, his numbers look solid, um, certainly good enough to start and make an impact, but not uh, a home run by any means. Um, and a lot of, a lot of question marks, you know, with Nickens and Wiley in, in the backcourt there. Um, how, how dangerous, what do you think is the ceiling of this team? I guess if Trimble comes back, you know, if a couple of these recruits hit they're solid starters, um, if, uh, Gill can come in and start and be consistent from day one. Um, how good can Maryland be? I think with Trimble back, their ceiling is about what they were last year. A top four Big Ten team, uh, a solid seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they can, you know, once you get to the tournament, everything's mostly a crapshoot. Uh, so I'm not even – I hate to even say, well, they're a Sweet 16 team or they're an Elite 8 team, they're a Final Four team, like – who knows? Like Michigan State was the odds-on favorite to win the title last year. They lost in the first round. It's impossible to predict a tournament. Uh, but they could be pretty much similar to what they were last year. They would play much differently, um, a lot smaller. But they could be just about, you know, probably equal their win total. What, they went 25 games last year in the regular season? Um, yeah, 20, 24 in the regular season. Oh, in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they could – I, I think they could probably hit, you know, get right back around – that area, maybe 23 wins, maybe 25 wins, you know, depending. I don't think the Big Ten will be very good next year. So it's going to be, it's going to be probably a little bit easier uh, for a team like, like that with a guy like Mello who's a proven star in college basketball and, you know, some returning players and some, impact, some, some guys who I think are going to be impact freshmen, if not star freshmen, but impact freshmen. Uh, they could be real. They could be pretty good again. Um, with, with, without Trimble, the ceiling is probably getting into the tournament. Like that would be great. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, one, one, uh, one other question um, I had kind of about the, the ceiling and so on, you know, Maryland, maybe, maybe next year, you know, I, I think even if Trimble comes back, some people kind of view it as a transitional year, just given the, the max uh, transition on the roster. Um but Maryland, you know, they're still recruiting really well. You know, even if these guys aren't splashes year one, you know, just based on their rankings, it seems like they're going to have solid careers um, at Maryland. Uh, they are in on a lot of huge guys in 2017. You know, we'll see if they land them. Um, how important is it for Maryland to have to get back to the tournament and at least have a respectable year? Really, really important. I don't think you can – you can overstate how important it would be. Just like you said, they're they're if they're in and if not in, then favorite for some really big time talent uh, in 2017 and 2018. Uh, not to get too deep into it, but in 2017, I think they I would you, you, most people classify them as the odds-on favorite for, for Trayvon Duval, who's the number one point guard in the country. This is a freak athlete out of Delaware, uh, who's an Under Armour kid, uh, who's you know grown up around the area in Delaware, around Maryland, has spoken very highly of Maryland. Now, they're going to have, just like with any other five-star kids, they're going to have competition with, like, Villanova is in on him. Arizona, I think, is in on him. Uh, Duke might eventually, or Kentucky might get in on him eventually, although they're not right now. Uh, but I think they, they're pretty clear favorites for him. Another kid, Jaron Jackson, who grew up in D.C. He was the son of uh, Georgetown, former Georgetown player, Jaron Jackson. This is Jaron Jackson, Jr., he plays in Indiana right now. They're seeing the odds on favor for him. He's a potential borderline four-star, five-star type guy. Um, there's, there's a bunch of others. And then in 2018, there's a 
massive bumper crop of local talent, which there hasn't been in a while. You know, DC, the D.C. area produces a ton of, you know, talent that's in the NBA and impact all around college mm-hmm. basketball. Villanova just won their title with essentially a team made up of players from Maryland <laughs> and, and D.C. Um, so, but for the last few years, there's been good players here or there. There's, you know, Markel Fultz this year, Mello, Trimble, Deion Wiley, uh, a bunch of guys, but not, not that huge bumper crop of, of, of talent that you've seen in the past. Uh, in 2018, that's that end because there are guys like Jalen Smith, Emmanuel Quickly, Brandon Slater, uh, uh, DJ Harvey is next year. Uh, there's it's 20 it's 2017. Uh, oh man, there's another few that I, I'm forgetting right now, <laughs> but they seem to be in, in in really good shape with with basically all of those guys. Oh, Prentice Hub, who's going to be probably a borderline mm-hmm. four or five star. Um, so, but. And they've been recruiting really well. Even this year, which is, you know, seen as sort of the, like a transitional recruiting, uh, recruiting year, they're a top 20 class. <laughs> uh, and and they, have the ability, mm-hmm. they might even be adding Justin Jackson, who's a, 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 you know, a top 30 player, top 40 player, who would put, uh, put their class in the top 10. So they've been recruiting at the level you want to recruit if you're going to be a contender year in, year out. But if, if they really flop next year, which that's on the table, completely on the table. If, if talent isn't ready, if, if Wiley can't be a go-to scorer, if they don't have anyone in the front court that can really impact the game, uh, they really could be a, a pretty big flop next year. And if that's the case, it's going to be really hard to keep up that momentum. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, if they can at least make the tournament, at least be dangerous. Um, and and one of the things too that I, I know you, you kind of have to get into recruiting deep to to really notice it, but like having big games at home to bring recruits in for visits, you know, having great environments and so on. And Maryland's had that, you know, over the last couple of years, but they've also had it because they're good and they've been in these big, important games. You know, if you're, if it's clear, you're not going to get into the tournament, you know, in February um, and you have all these big 10 opponents coming in and everyone knows that the games really don't matter that much. um, Yeah. It's going to take a hit. And I, I think having that really helps your recruiting um, and that will help them into 2017. Um, and one, one last thing I wanted to get on, you know, as we're talking about this environment, or at least I am, <laughs> um, that Maryland's had at home the last couple of years. Uh, you, know, you mentioned the concept that the Big Ten is going to take a step back next year. Generally, I agree. Um, we'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out, obviously. But I do think the Big Ten is going to take a step back next year. Um, do you think having that home court advantage will make a difference? Yeah, I think definitely. Well, I think it potentially could could really be a big difference. Maryland has lost two games at home in the last two years. Uh, one to Virginia, which was right at the beginning of, of two years ago, last two years ago season. That you know really good Virginia team, and, and they didn't have, even have Des Wells for that game. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, last year they had a horrible loss to uh, Wisconsin. Now Wisconsin was, ended up being pretty good, but they kind of got mm-hmm. ran out of their own building, and that was that was a really disappointing loss. Um, Otherwise, they've been pretty much unbeatable at home. And the problem with that, though, is that D.C. fans and Maryland fans can be a little bit bandwagony. Uh, now, Maryland has had a really good home court advantage for big games forever. Uh, even when they weren't very good for big games, people certainly turn up. But for those medium games, those, you know, let's say uh, Illinois comes in next year or – you know, you know, a team that isn't in the top 25 or whatever, uh, 
there have been in the past years where, like, you know, you're really not getting a great turnout because the team wasn't very good and they weren't facing anyone that people had heard of. Now, the last mm-hmm. two years when Maryland was there, a staple in the top 25, a staple in the top 20, and they had big games, like even games against Northwestern, like two years ago, that, that great comeback <laughs> they had, that was, a, mm-hmm. that was a great crowd. I mean, a great, great crowd for a team, for, you know, coming out for a Northwestern team that I think have lost 10 games in a row at that point. Um, but next year, it's, it's possible. If they don't have Trimble, and there's nobody on the team that anyone really recognizes, uh, then it's, it's possible that they're going to kind of lose a little bit of that steam they've gained and um, lose some of that home court advantage. But if, if they can at least be respectable and be competitive and, you know, a guy like Wiley or Callen or, or Dodd becomes that sort of go-to player, uh, they'll uh, – They'll, they'll they'll draw and, and they'll that that could be just enough to have a few key wins against like we said might be a down Big Ten to push them at least into the bubble uh, where they otherwise wouldn't be. Oh yeah, I I completely agree. You know, I I think having that home court, you know, if if you follow teams like Indiana um, and certainly Wisconsin, you know, we've seen it. If, if you can be you know, even nearly unbeatable at home and only lose to the you know the top you know. Uh, cream of the crop teams, um, you can, it can really help you. I mean, if you score a couple extra marquee wins um, simply because you have that extra boost, um, you know, that's really important. And certainly if the well, Big Ten is down a little bit next year, right? Like Wisconsin <laughs> was struggling. Wisconsin was struggling, mm-hmm. got some really key wins at home, basically because that they were, they were home and then used that as, you know, a push to make a run to, toward the end and, and be a pretty good team. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, and, and they even won games, which I wouldn't say, you know, they're going to lose for sure on the road, but you know, even some of the tricky games where it's close, they just, they found that extra boost because it's at home. And and for me, at least one of the games that pops out was, uh, you know, Michigan had, Michigan was absolutely battling them in late February, you know, a huge game for, for the Wolverines to try to make the tournament and Wisconsin just shifted into the next year. Uh, right at the end, and, and you certainly have to think the home crowd factored into that. But, uh, right. but and, other than that, that, that... That same exact thing happened with uh, Michigan and Maryland, right? Like, that was a big game oh, for yep. both teams, a really close game the whole time, and just Maryland won that game because they were at home. I think that's, I mean, really, it came down to that. I was talking to a friend of mine I mean, right afterwards who was a Michigan fan, and he was like, he was like, man, that was a good game. He gave you a run. And I was like, I never thought Maryland was going to lose. Like, Maryland's at home and they play a game like that, they almost never lose. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can even flip it on the other side when Michigan beat Maryland early in the year. I mean, there's no way if that's on a neutral court, Michigan wins that game. But um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it will be something to watch. And certainly, you know, if Maryland is kind of has a rough non-conference performance, if they can kind of gain the momentum with a couple of big home wins, um, obviously the schedules haven't come out yet, so we really can't look at it yet. But uh but uh, it will be interesting to watch. But other than that, Andrew, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to the, the excitement of Trimble's announcement here uh, coming up. Uh, excitement's one word for it. Th- thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Thanks a lot. Right, uh, again, that was uh, Andrew Emmer from Tostito Times. He does a lot of great work over there. Uh, certainly a diehard uh, Terps fan. So always fun to get him on here to, to chat about Maryland and, uh, Mellow Trimble here as well as he comes up on his decision. But 
Uh, other than that, that's the end of our podcast here for today. We appreciate everyone for checking this out. Sorry about a couple of the technical difficulties here. Hopefully we'll, those will be worked out by our next podcast. Um, and keep checking us out. We got a lot of great content coming up on the site. Uh, appreciate everyone going over there and, and taking a gander. But uh, other than that, everyone continue to enjoy your spring and summer, and we'll see you next time.